0: Hi, I'm Dr. Gil Wilshire. I'm a board-certified physician, surgeon, and reproductive endocrinologist. Welcome to my series of podcasts where we discuss medical matters that matter to you. I'll be interviewing top experts in their fields, and we'll also be delving into fascinating backstories from deep within the world of medicine. This is Dr. Wilshire, and welcome to the Dr. Gill Show. This is a show where we talk about medical matters that matter to you. Our guest today is Dr. Marianne Mishevitz. Marianne, welcome to the show.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: Marianne is a podiatrist, a DPM, and we're going to talk about feet and foot health today.
1: That's right. We have a lot of ground to cover today. We have a lot of ground to
0: cover. I love it. Now, I'm very interested in uh, foot medicine, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why. When I was a child, I was diagnosed with flat feet. I had painful feet, and I was always getting special shoes and whatnot to help me. And then it turns out my best friend, maybe my best friend in the world, um, his name is Lance Malkin, he is a pit orthotist. And in no kidding. F- yes, and in fact, he does. He, I think he knows. But I'm going to do a podcast with him regarding shoes and podorthics, Pedorthics, podorthics, pedorth, pedorthics, and, yes. and and orthotic. Orthotics mm-hmm. is the word I'm looking. In fact, I I wear them almost all the time. My I'm wearing feet, mine right now. Yeah, it's a mm-hmm. whole thing. So you know, foot pain and foot issues came to me early. In medical school, I had another. Events. It was life changing. When you do surgery rotation, as the medical student, you're the retractor. You hold things. I've held the liver for three hours. Hold a
1: lot of things. Doing a lot of things.
0: Mm. And when I did my vascular surgery, there was an amputation. And the surgeon is not going to get all sweaty and hot. And they, they. So, what is the job of the medical student? Well, there's this thing called a giggly saw. It's this cable with these burrs and teeth on it and these two handles on it. And it was my job in one case to amputate a lower limb to go through the tibia. And they handed me the saw, and it it goes like this it's Mm -hmm. a jigsaw. It's Mm -hmm. a jigsaw. And I remember doing that for. Five. It was a hard job. I worked up the sweat, and I'll never forget them handing off the limbs and realizing this person was never going to have their foot again or their lower limb. And when I walked out of that case, every time my right foot hit the ground, I thanked God for a foot. And I have, and you know, and it doesn't like. I don't think about this every second of the day, but it has shaped my appreciation for my limbs and my feet mm-hmm. in a way that is indelible. It'll it'll never, as long as I have two brain cells, it's going to be part of my memory and my my life. So, uh, appreciation appreciation of of the foot. Um, I it, think is you're very right. Deep.
1: Feet are very underappreciated yeah. until. They start causing you problems. I remember in residency, um, there was, I don't remember, it was a call situation or something like that, and there was a hand surgeon on, and he said, I don't work on the inferior extremity. And I remember uh, thinking to myself, uh, oh, you wait till the day your foot
0: starts hurting. Not right. that I would
1: wish that on anybody, but I'm like, you know what? There's, you know, feet are
0: important. You could make a case that they're more important. Mm. all—they Every part plays their role. Every part, yeah, well said. Well said. So what I was hoping Marianne to talk about is foot health in general for the before we get into all the, the diseases that you're the expert for, I was wondering could we to- talk about some overarching things we can do to take care of our feet?:
1: I'd love to talk
0: about that. I would love <laughs> to start there in the, in the general the healthy foot or maintaining uh, the, the, the healthy foot.
1: All right well um,
0: and tell me if I'm I'm hitting on the right subject. First of all there's hygiene, keeping your feet clean and dry. I assume that's an easy one. But then you get to nails. And boy, how do you, how does a healthy person take care of their nails to keep them healthy and functional?
1: Well, I mean all that goes along with hygiene and just kind of paying attention. You know, right. sometimes, again, the foot is underappreciated, and so we're not paying attention to our foot. It's neglected. Um, it's neglected. Um, you know, but the time will come when your nails will get long and they bother you. You want to make sure you're cutting them straight across. Yeah,
0: I keep hearing the... <laughs> that, but when I'm peeling off, I'm the kind of person, when I was a kid, I would bite mm-hmm. my nail. I, I could bend, and I could actually bite my nails. I always bit them in pulled them very, very close, all the way down to mm-hmm. the corner. I've heard you got to cut them straight across. But then that leaves that little corner area.
1: Well, it does leave that dirty, corner that area. It g- g-
0: gets dirty, and I don't like it.
1: It does, but if there's any sort of curvature to your nail, if you don't catch all of the nail or you go in too far, it can set you up for getting an infection.
0: Sure, you don't problem. want to go too far. And so where so, where is just right. right? So
1: Just right for someone that's trying to do it to themselves is to cut it flush with the skin straight, uh, straight across. It's a little bit different if somebody else is doing it to you. I might contour a nail a little bit but still be mm-hmm. able to leave an edge. It's difficult even for a flexible person to get down there and cut it without having a problem or and creating a secondary problem see, and get, get close enough here, here. Right. to see right exactly. I you know like I, used to. I sit or stand at a patient's foot so it's right there. Right there. In my face and so I can see very clearly what's going on it's harder for me to do that to myself and right. as I'm getting older I'm less flexible I'm right. you know trying to hover over a toilet or or do something I'm like did I get it did I not get it you
0: know. right right so can you make any blanket statements about pedicures mm-hmm. obviously these are these are professional people they're doing it all day yes they're right down there they have the tools and whatnot Is getting a pedicure, I've never had one. I know some women get them all the time. Is there anything, a blanket statement you can make? Are are they generally good or generally harmful, a bad idea, good idea, depends on the salon? What do you think?
1: Um, I'm not one that goes for pedicures myself. However, there are a lot of reputable professionals that are trained well, and they understand what they can do and what they can't do. Um, And so in general, I don't see and particularly in the population that I treat now I don't see a lot of problems coming back, but even when I was in my private practice, I I didn't see a lot of problems from pedicures. I did see them if you're diabetic I would probably stay away from having anyone other than a Foot expert work on your on your feet either a nail trained nurse or or a podiatrist um, and the same thing goes if somebody's got some vascular disease or they can't really feel their feet well um, and it's not a knock on those doing pedicures it's more of just a safety issue if the if problem comes up you know we can take care of it better um, you know the um, I think most licensed professionals are probably safe you know you want to listen to word of mouth you know and think. you know these people don't you know, do a good job, or they don't do a good job. You know, your sure. friends will tell you, you know, all about that. Um, you sure. know, I wouldn't let them cut back any cuticles. That's again inviting okay.
0: infection.
1: You know, okay. but
0: but they're not inherently dangerous. But
1: they're not inherently dangerous unless you fall into a category with diabetes, or you don't have don't have good circulation, or don't have good feeling in your feet. That would be a time to maybe avoid that.
0: Now that you mentioned circulation, obviously a shoe that's way too tight <clears throat> or a woman obviously in these horrible high heels where they're up here has got to be painful and whatnot. But do you have any other suggestions for maximizing like the circulation of your foot when it comes to footwear or sandals or something like that? So
1: as far as uh, wearing foot gear and choosing foot gear, you really want to make good choices, reasonable choices most of the time. OK, and I'll say most yeah. of the time because we all have occasions where we're not going to make a good choice. That's just that's just yeah. how life is. You know, sure. And if you want to go for a wedding, you know, or an evening out, you may make a choice that's not really great for your feet. And again, unless you fall into that category for a diabetic or, you know, you have known bad circulation, you're not going to have any longstanding damage from one night of a bad choice. Typically, however, you know, you do want to make sure that, you know, you have room enough for your feet, a good quarter inch at your toe box, you know, make sure your toe box fits your foot.
0: Uh So if
1: you've got a foot that tends to go very square, you want to choose a square toe box, you know?
0: So if a shoe doesn't hurt, that's a good Mm -hmm. start. I That's a
1: great start. It shouldn't be an issue of you're going and I have to break this shoe in. It should fit well from the get go. Um, I would try your shoes on later on in the day when your feet have had an opportunity to puff up, as they all do.
0: All do, huh? I,
1: everybody's do. Um, also, our shoe size isn't static, it's not something that you keep for the rest of your life. Tell me more. Your shoe size can change like you change, okay? Um, um. It isn't an issue of growth. With children, you know, they grow and they're. Their bones mature and, you know, they may get a longer foot or a wider foot. Um, And that really doesn't stop until, gosh, you're getting closer to your 20s before that growth stops. However, as life happens, your foot size will change if you bear children, you know, that extra weight and that oxytocin that gets released that relaxes those ligaments to allow a baby to pass through your canal.
0: Right.
1: Also, it doesn't target the pelvis it's, it's everywhere so over time your feet will spread as you use your feet and they get more arthritic and the joints don't work very well and the arches drop your shoe size will change so you may start out in your 20s in a 9 you know by the time you're 60 you may be in an 11 and that's okay. Ah, oh, that much difference. It can be that much difference. Weight gain and weight loss
0: can change your ah, shoe size. yeah, I've gained weight and lost so, weight. And, yeah, and I it will change you.
1: your, shoe, your shoe size. You know, 10, 15 pounds may be a half a size shoe, depending yeah. on how the shoe is made and, yep. you know, what kind of shoe you're using. But,
0: Interesting. But yeah. it matters.
1: So, you know, don't be married to a size. Be married to what feels good.
0: That's great advice. Now, getting more to, to the daily hygiene. Obviously, if you're taking a shower every day, you want to soap your feet. You want to dry your feet.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, is there any benefit to uh, rubbing alcohol or something on your on your feet or a blow dryer? I've heard different mm. tricks to get your feet. Because I know if I just towel off, my my toes are always just a little wet when I'm putting on my you, socks and shoes. You could
1: do a blow dryer. I would use a cool setting. I wouldn't do a hot setting. You don't want to burn yourself. Okay. Um, you know, uh washcloth between your toes or a towel between your toes can be mm-hmm. helpful to get those kind of
0: So just keep it clean keep like any clean, other part like of enjoy, your body like any other
1: part of your body you know because those are those sweaty parts also tend to accumulate other organisms we have organisms all over our skin Sure, our skin's a a good barrier you know to to keep things up But we want to keep it healthy if you're too moist your skin can crack much like if it's too dry it can crack so really Not almost true. you want to think of your your feet and really yourself as a house plant not too dry, not too wet. You dry it out too much, you turn brown and shrivelly,
0: right.
1: and things don't work. If you moisten it up too much, they get yellow and goopy and dry off and and die off rather.
0: I love it. What and a so pearl! so treat your
1: <laughs> treat your feet and your body that way too. You're aiming for moist. Nobody likes that word moist, but moist, but, there you but go. that's what you want to be. You want to be moist.
0: Now, is there any role for ultraviolet light, sunlight? beach sand, salt water. I always notice my feet feel really good when I come back from a a beach vacation. They do all that
1: exfoliation, you know, and there are exfoliants that you can use. You can use things like, and we actually recommend them, things like alpha hydroxy acids or urea creams. And these are, these are, Commercially available. Some of them are prescription strength, you know, so again, that's where you would consult with your podiatrist. Ah.
0: Um, but,
1: you know, there are over the counter um, ingredients, you know, lotions that, and creams that you can purchase that have these things. Ceramides are good, like in CeraVe, they have ceramides in it. That's good for protecting that barrier. Urea creams, amlactin, the, the lactic acids, they are exfoliants and they will help to. Get rid of that dry skin and still moisturize the good skin underneath. So that's that's good to use. Just not between your toes. Between the toes tastes too wet.
0: Ah, interesting. Very interesting. So. So, Marianne, we talked about shoes. Obviously, you want am comfortable, fits your feet. I like living in that. Uh, I don't want to. There's one particular brand of running shoe that fits my foot. I understand some brands use a different size last or a different shape. Different shape it, of last, that, yes. That, that, that's mm-hmm. a real thing. If you, Those are some, real things. Some brands fit me better than others. One in yes. particular I wear because I'm in, on my feet a long time. I'm a surgeon as well. And, and there's one particular running shoe that suits me very, very well. Now, talk to me about barefoot. Is barefoot inherently more healthy or less healthy? Or Tell me about you know, some people. I know there were these, um, another brand of shoe that had the, the to, has the toes mm-hmm. in them. Yep, and they they were the all the rage and, for a while, but now they're.
1: And kind of barefoot running was the rage for yeah. a while. And that kind of goes in and out of Vogue, the whole barefoot, not barefoot thing. Um For barefoot, um, for young children that are learning how to walk, um for example, my kids when they were small, I didn't put them in shoes until they were really walking or where they were using their feet to kind of kind of push up. I kept them barefoot, um, and we did a lot of play um. Kind of barefoot or sock foot. Um, obviously, not in a place where their feet would be hurt. Yeah, not, you know? not injured. Yeah, you know, dirty. but if or you filthy. don't have a child that's walking, they don't need to be in a in a shoe. I know there there's shoes that are cute, and folks want them for you know an aesthetic or a look. I didn't do that um, with my children. Um, and and their muscles, you know, their feet are not developed, and so they, you know, you're using those muscles. They need to grip. They don't need to be gripping yeah. a shoe. They need to be gripping. Gripping the ground,
0: little monkey um, feet. Nothing wrong with that. That's
1: right. But um, for grown-ups, um, you know, it kind of depends. You know, there are circumstances when barefoot is okay, and other circumstances where it's not, and it could be dangerous. You know.
0: So it's not. In, it's not like, gee, when you get home from work, you need to take your shoes off, or when you're on, when you're on vacation, you should be barefoot or anything. No, like I that. do.
1: I, I do. Me personally. Okay. Say, I do come home. I we try not to wear the same shoes in the house because it tracks in, in dirt, but I don't function well without some sort of support. So I typically don't go barefoot. Even at the pool, I'm walking in a sandal to the, to the edge of the water and then getting in um, because my feet won't tolerate that for very long. I'll hurt and I don't want to hurt things I want to do. Um, But I don't mind getting out of the shoes and letting my feet breathe. You know, I don't keep socks on them all the time, you know. I I try to sleep barefoot. Yeah, I do. Although, I mean, if your feet are cold and that helps you to sleep, socks (laughs) are fine. We do use them. We do tell patients to wear socks sometimes if we are trying to treat a skin issue. Uh, We were talking about dryness and and cracking earlier. Um, You know, that occlusion, putting a sock on your foot also helps to help that medicine penetrate. So there's times that we use it. Um, If you have... A circulatory diabetic complication—you don't want to do that, you know. Um, If your feet don't hurt and you don't have any of those things, and you want to be barefoot in the house, have fun.
0: Have fun. (laughs) That's great. Now, this may be something outside your purview, but I know there's a an argument on 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 the proper technique of running. There, having been I was a cross country runner for a while, and I, I know Chris is a runner. There's the kind of roll strike with your heel mm-hmm. and the kind heel of strike roll. versus the midfoot or and
1: forefoot and then the midfoot strike. ball yeah, or rather land on the
0: ball of your foot apparently the incas these inca guys ran 100 miles a day through 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 the andes mountains running on the balls of their feet apparently you get more spring i think any, it any is an issue of, of
1: i think that it, it is an issue of spring um i don't know that everybody can do all of those things you know there's consequences Um, you know, if you're going to put a lot of load on your forefoot, it's going to, your, your shock absorption is going to be different. Some feet can take it and some of them can't. And so what I would tell somebody is run how it feels natural for you. You know, if you need to find a coach, Mm. help find a running coach, somebody that can actually look at your form and look at your mechanics as a whole and say, you know what, I know you want to try this, but this may not be the right thing for you.
0: Well, there you go. That makes sense. We're all built differently. Mm-hmm. For example, I cannot jump. I can run. I used to be able to run forever. Uh, my vertical jump is, I'm just not built that way. I can shop. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So something I, I neglected to talk about early on. So you, you mentioned that after your residency, you went into private practice. That's correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what brought an Ohio girl to Missouri?
1: You know, when I was thinking about employment, you know, where my future would go, I I knew it would not stay in Salt Lake City for various reasons. Um, One of the reasons why I went there is because I have family there, and I still have family there, and I very much enjoy going back there um, and visiting, Um, but it wasn't the right fit for me, Um, and so I basically thought, what is, my family was back in Ohio, my immediate family, and I thought, what is within a day's drive?
0: Not too and close. Not, not too, too close, far. Not
1: too far. What can I drive in a day? And um, and who has jobs available that will pay me what I want and be the kind of practice that I would fit into? I had a good idea of what I how I wanted to practice, so. Um, and so I set out a radius and started. Back then, <laughs> you were applying in the back of trade magazines.
0: They right, The, an the practices ad. Yeah. and it was an
1: ad in right. the magazines of you know, this practice is looking in this area in this state. And so I started sending out resumes. And so um I looked at um Buffalo, New York, um, Erie, Pennsylvania, um, Grand Rapids, Michigan, um Louisiana, and, and Missouri. I, answer, I, I answered an ad for Columbia, Missouri, and I'm like, I don't even know where that is.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And it ended up being a fantastic place. And it ended yeah. up being a great
1: place to be. And I thought, you know what? I'm young. It's a year. Well,
0: oh, you, you can know? do anything for I a year. I can do anything yeah. for a year and, yeah. and see
1: how much I like it. And I got here, and I liked the practice. I liked the people that were working there. I liked the area. I... <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love you. Show, show everybody your your water bottle. Hold it up to this camera right here. What does that say?
1: It says, "No coast, no problem." Midwest, USA. The
0: Midwest, <laughs>
1: and then I have Missouri. Columbia. It's not that bad. It's not
0: that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for showing me that. And now, I believe you've settled into a position at the VA hospital. Here I Truman? Have, yeah. Is it Truman? Hospital Truman Medical Center? What is it it's called? It's
1: Harry S. Truman VA Medical Center. Are
0: you Are you happy there?
1: I am happy there.
0: Are you Are taking care of our veterans?
1: I love to keep our veterans walking.
0: Bless your heart. Bless your heart. That, that is a higher calling. And, uh, uh, you know, just personally, I think vets deserve the, the best of everything. And, and I'm so glad you're doing that for well, them.
1: Well, I'll tell you what. This yeah. is, I don't know how many people are aware of this, but the VA trains... 70% of medical graduates in the US. So of all types, 70% of medical professionals that, have, that are working right now did some of their training or all of their training at a VA hospital. So not only have these you know, soldiers signed up to forfeit their lives really, right and, and have paid dearly with their minds or their bodies or both, Right. Um, and their families have also. Not only have they done that, but then they come back and allow us to learn from them. I mean, it's a, it's a privilege to take care of them. It That's really fantastic. is. And they are, they are an extremely grateful mm. population, mm-hmm. you know, for as many complaints as we hear here and there. We don't really hear them about our hospital. And there are some things to complain about. We can always do better. Right. You know, but um, in general, my veterans are really happy to be there. And they're a joy to treat. That's you know, wonderful. they really are. And I, and I did it. It there was a, it, it was a point in my life where I had to make some decisions, you know, professionally and, and time-wise to spend time with my family. And this was going to be a better fit. I had worked at the VA part-time the entire time while I was in private practice. Um, and so it, when a position came up, it was just a, natural, it was a, natural thing. a I, natural thing. I do have some skin in the game though. I do have a son on active duty. And so, uh, it's more than just feeling like i want to give back to the veterans you know i have one so <laughs>
0: good for you good for you that's a nice segue into from moving from healthy feet and hygiene to the various problems for mm-hmm. which you need a a, a doctor mm-hmm. so so i i think you you were thoughtful enough to prepare some uh uh, some notes is I'd I'd asked you I'd asked you what are the top ten things or mm-hmm. things that you treat so maybe we could mm-hmm. start with with the mm-hmm. the common conditions that you treat and we could learn for, learn about them
1: yeah let's start with kind of the common things in general and then maybe we can talk about my the unique things to the population that I treat right perfect, now. perfect perfect so, because they do have applications in non veteran worlds also sure yeah so. Top 10 diagnosis for podiatry uh-huh. they're not really ranked this isn't going to be like David Letterman <laughs> <laughs> so quick list here so nail fungus and associated nail problems this brings a lot of people in that and plantar mm-hmm. fasciitis those are my top two i mean if you were if i were to have a scheduled day of 30 35 in private practice that would be 60 to 70 okay. percent so let's
0: talk about nails and nail fungus I mean you see the ads on TV I mean if there's all these ads on TV it's gotta be a big problem mm-hmm. I won't say who I know in my life but I, <laughs> I, I I know one or two people who have this issue it
1: is a very very common issue
0: so what very is common. the so how does let, let me guess you know you've got a, a, a nail fungus problem when your nails start to turn brown right maybe and do they peel up a little bit so I have, what are the signs uh, the signs to somebody to tell them hey I might have a, a nail fungus
1: well there will be the nail will change will okay. be discoloration so and you know depending on how much pigment in your skin that coloration may look different depending on the organism that pigmentation may look different
0: so. so black folks might have different colors than white folks and a pale a pale, yeah. uh-huh. a pale yeah. blonde might have different colors: it, it may look yeah it may look different.
1: We have to pay attention to to skin tone. Interesting. you do um, It may be white, it could be brown, it could be black, it could be green, it could be yellow and a combination of any of those things um, And that's to say you, you said how do you know by looking at it you don't you can't tell that it's fungus or not without taking a sample of it and doing some testing on it.
0: So what would you do? Take a would you scrape underneath it or to culture? How, how would you so get a to sample? Co-
1: well, culture is one way of doing it. That's what That's my kind of method of choice because it also gives you an organism. When you do uh-huh. a culture on something, you know, you get a report back from a laboratory. It doesn't just tell you that this organism is present. They tell you what it is. And when you uh-huh. know what it is, sometimes that might change how you approach it, you know, or you have a better way of knowing, you know, this, this particular organism may not respond to treatment. And so
0: So there's not just one fungus, it's a world of fungi. It's a world
1: of fungi and molds and yeasts and things. Oh my goodness. I never knew that. And sometimes it's not any of those things. Sometimes it's that the nail was damaged and that's just Uh it, you know, you're,
0: and, and and you need a professional to be able to assess that. To assess this. that, right. So, ah. you know, there's a lot
1: of, you know, kind of self-assessment and, and there's value in that. But, you know, sometimes folks assume that it's a fungus or, you know, they think they have a fungus and they think they treated it. Well, maybe it was just nail damage or, you know, maybe they didn't have a fungus or maybe the fungus is still there. It's just not as pronounced as it was. So
0: All right. So let's say a, a person, a vet or, or any person said, gee, there's something different about my nail. They go to a podiatrist such as you. What? what are you? How are you going to diet? What are you going to do when well, you see this person? What can they expect?
1: We, what can they expect? Well, we're going to take a look, first of all. And okay. so, you know, like I said, I can't diagnose fungus, but I can make a good guess of this probably needs to be cultured. And so back to your other question, you can do a culture, you can do a stain on that, that well, and tissue. And look at it under the microscope and look it under right a microscope. then. I don't, cause that's not my bag. I will send it to a lab and, and do that. And we have a lab in house, but you know, some of our dermatology colleagues, they will go ahead and take the sample and stain themselves. Uh, st- not themselves, but <laughs> stain the sample themselves. Right, 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 right. Um, You know, um, I don't have time to do that. <laughs> so I will say, I will take a sample. And so it's a near painless procedure. Okay. So we take a piece of the nail and you need to get what's underneath the nail. Out of yeah. there. So you take you kind of take the top off a little bit, make sure you've got some of the gunk. debris. Debris, that's it. nice. Debris, it's better than in, gunk. Yeah. Subungal debris is how it will Love be it. documented. Subungal debris. Subungal debris. Sub meaning under. The un- word un- of the day. Un- Subungal. Ungua <laughs> un- <laughs> un- meaning nail. And so you want some of that stuff that's, that's growing underneath there. And that's the stuff that's rich in organisms and that will.
0: So you get a result in about a week or two or what does that take?
1: Um, our lab typically it's four weeks ah. um, because they remember they're doing a, a culture on it so they have to once they get enough growth, um, they will uh, they will do tests to that to kind of try to identify the organism as an aside, you asked uh-huh. me earlier yeah. about, how I got involved Mm -hmm. in going to podiatry, and that podiatrist that I shadowed um, back in Alliance, Ohio. um, One of the things that I did for my senior culminating research project was I collected samples of toenails from the office, and I tried to grow them myself in the lab. And you would think that that would be a simple thing, and actually it is not. Fungus is extraordinarily fussy. It's a very fussy organism. It is ever present and difficult to kill off, but to flourish it needs a very, very specific environment.
0: Specific environment. And
1: underneath your toes, in your skin folds, yeah. those dark, warm, damp places that aren't mm. quite body temperature, like core temperature. Right. Like paradise for it and it will yeah. flourish
0: it's a biofilm a lab, yeah. yeah
1: a, a lab a lab is environment is difficult to create that so
0: so it could take a little while to get results. so it takes a
1: little while to get and it tends to be slow growing so you could have a fungal infection that may start and it may be months before you're aware that you had it which is why folks you know a female patient or you know anyone that wants to wear polish you know they may go and get their nails painted ah. somewhere and not take let it just wear off and then suddenly they look down and they're like holy crap there's you're a right. weird brown streak under my nail what happened you know and this may have happened you know weeks months before but it's so slow growing that you don't you don't gotcha. really see it
0: now that's not a, you're reminding me of medical school i remember Talking about t- culturing tuberculosis. It would take three <laughs> we did not do
1: months. that in my <laughs> school. <laughs> right, right,
0: right, right. The days of old, we had uh, slant augers. And stuff. It would take like three or four months mm-hmm. to grow a tuberculosis. Yeah, because
1: it's a, yeah, it's it's a, a spore. A, yeah. It's a
0: spore and it, it, it's not in its normal place. So Ooh, yeah, so let's say, see this person, you diagnose them with this mm-hmm. fungus. Let's say it's a run of, what would be the most common organism? What's a run-of-the-mill Everyday garden variety fungus.
1: Trichophyton rubrum.
0: Trichophyton rubrum. Mm-hmm. So it's and flaccosum. Epidermal
1: floccosum.
0: Epidermal mis- floccosum. So, I might be
1: mispronouncing that one. I love it. It's good. I love it. <laughs> I can these read it and see it. <laughs> Latin
0: tongue twister. So you get one of these organisms. Mm-hmm. So, how are you going to treat this person?
1: So, well, it depends on what they want to do. Okay, and I'll start by saying that. I want a
0: cure, doctor.
1: There is a cure. We'll get to that.
0: Ah. Just a moment. So tell me, what are my options, doctor? So options,
1: options to treat nail fungus. One option is benign neglect. You're probably not going to die of a nail fungus, and it's really slow growing. With good hygiene, you can keep it contained. Okay. So will, some, will it
0: spread to all the toes? Is it usually one toe, or is it a it few of be, them? Or? It can be.
1: Sometimes it's one nail. Sometimes it can spread over time to other nails. Okay, it just kind of depends. It may be on one foot, one hand, or one digit. It may be on all of them, and it depends on the environment that the foot is in. Um, you can try topical medications. There are topical ma- medications available for this. Um, are prescription versions and they are over-the-counter versions the
0: prescription has got to be better right
1: not necessarily no ah. you still have to get past this past the, the
0: nail itself side. so how do you get it under there
1: well it's difficult to get it under there so a lot of times you're painting kind of the edge of the nail and ah. around the nail and you're doing it twice daily for a year because that's oh how goodness. long it takes to push out that big toenail from here
0: so it's a long process. Now, are there any oral medicines you can take there that treat from the inside? There
1: are oral that do treat from the inside. The efficacy is not that much better. After using them really? for twenty some years, you do have. I mean, there are patients that get better using topicals. There are patients that get better doing fungal or oral, oral. antifungals. Okay. Um, but it's not great or consistent, and it doesn't keep you from getting it again. And those medications come with consequences. The oral ones do.
0: So sure, I know we give them for, for genital yeast infections mm-hmm. and whatnot. It's the liver it's and the it's the liver. It's not yeah. Trivial. So
1: it's the liver and it's also the medication interactions with other potential medications. Right. So it's not something we typically put you on and you go on it every year. You take it's a pill a day, usually for several months. Um, and then it still takes a year to push out that nail because it doesn't make that disappear. You have to grow an all new nail.
0: Wow, so it's a chronic, annoyance. So, and it can be, and it's man. very
1: easy to reinfect. So, it is, it is a very frustrating problem, you know, because, you know, even with, just aesthetically, it can be a frustrating problem. Sure. Um, but also, it changes the nails, so sometimes it makes it difficult to cut and manage, you know, and so then that may require some professional care. You was, asked about a cure. Yes. There is a 100% cure. And that's to kill off the toenail so it doesn't grow back. And it's 100% cure because there's no nail to infect.
0: So you said kill it off. Do you mean surgically remove it?
1: You can, you can, there, to remove it, yes, so it doesn't grow back. And you can, it is a surgery. It's a, it's a typically an in-office procedure, although we do have patients that choose to um, get some uh, sedation for that. So
0: you'll, you you'll. Obviously put local anesthesia, yes. you'll inject yeah. all those. We
1: don't We don't believe in brutality. We believe in making things as so painless as possible. You
0: can numb up the area. So you're going to feel what mm-hmm. we, call, we call the mosquito bites mm-hmm. of the anesthetic going in. And then you can surgically remove the nails and problem solve.
1: That will cure your fungus because there's no nail to grow back.
0: So you can make it so the bed or whatever makes... Mm-hmm. I still don't understand how nails grow. It's a big mystery to me. <laughs> I still don't understand how you can... A nail, you can bleed under there, and then you can hit it, and then it peels off, and there's a new nail mm-hmm. under there. Right? It's, it's that it's matrix, matrix
1: hiding under that.
0: So you can electric. get the matrix. So you can get, you get all that, that. You have to
1: get all that matrix out. It's a
0: germinal matrix, right? That's correct. yeah. I remember that much. That's right. You can get the germinal matrix, so you're then without nails. Mm-hmm. Now, does that compromise walking, or no. are there any real consequences of that?
1: What I can tell you is that. Everyone who's gotten to a point where they're ready to kill off their toenails, they are happy to not have them anymore. Yeah, no I'm one sure has that. gone back and has said, I wish I would have let that nail grow. No. I'm sure most Because male, a lot of times it's uh, it's pain. I mean, you know, it's pain and uh, not having to deal with it. You know, you don't have to deal with it. You don't have to look at it, you know, anymore. I can just go about my business and forget about it. I have a thick nail I'm trying to trim. You know, this is just interfering with my wearing my shoes and creating problems and so I'm. And do Yes. Now yeah. we don't do it like we used to do it, you know, back 50 years ago, 100 years ago. To we didn't take out matrices. We didn't do matrixectomies. We did a distal Symes amputation.
0: What is a distal Symes amputation, please? It is
1: much like declawing a cat. What they do is ah. you take off the digit at the first joint. Oh.
0: that could affect your walking a little bit so that
1: could affect your walking I did have a patient this is 20 years ago and and the patient was elderly at the time and you know I had asked because that patient came in for some problem and they had had I mean clearly they had a distal signs amputation I asked you know what what that was about and they're like the patient was small young went in for an ingrown toenail surgery, came out missing a digit, didn't know about it, was mad for the next 80 years.
0: <laughs> just one. They just did it to the, one yeah, time. One. Yeah. They didn't do all ten. They didn't do
1: all ten of them, but that's how they treated the ingrown nail was to do uh, distal signs.
0: Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, my goodness.
1: We don't do that anymore. Not for that. We do it in some cases, but not for uh, typically not for an ingrown.
0: So there is hope if one has this, there are topical things you can paint on. And if you're, and if you're you know, fastidious and you do it twice a day and, mm-hmm. and maybe take some pills, there, there is potential cure.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things you just kind of, you know, take, you know, with each patient, their risk-benefit um, analysis will be different. You know, what makes sense for them, you know, be it cost, time, you know, patience, pain. You gotcha. know how they want to do it. So there's not really a, I tell them, I said, there's not really a right or a wrong. It's, you know, how much you want to do with it. What I can tell you is this will be your success rates for X, Y, and Z choices.
0: And they can choose.
1: And they can choose. Gotcha.
0: Now, did you say the second most common thing you treat? Did you say heel spur? I said plantar fasciitis. You said plantar yes. fasciitis. I was thinking in that mm-hmm. direction. What is, well, how do you know you have plantar fasciitis? What is it?
1: Oh, everybody knows. They Google it. Or their what? friend has it. <laughs> it's what? very common. What Lots of people have it. What do you say?
0: What do I say? Did, you, did somebody have pain? Did they come to you and say, gee, Doc, the, I have this pain in the middle of my arch? Or, they you know?
1: will well, they'll come in, you know, typically it will say heel pain. On you know, if if I'm looking at a reason for why the patient coming in is usually heel pain. And some of them will come in. Saying that they think they have plantar fasciitis because a friend had it, or they googled it, or what, or what have you, and it is a—it's a common, common thing. Forty-five percent of people that are seeking out a musculoskeletal doctor are coming in for plantar fasciitis. Mm
0: Forty-five percent—it's
1: very common, and it can be debilitating, you know, and it's insidious.
0: Does it it hurt so when a person is, you know, good is it when the heel strikes, or is it when they're standing, or what makes it worse? I mean, how do they?
1: Typically, it's pain with first steps after rest. And that's how it starts. They think they got a stone uh, bruise. It's, it, it doesn't come on like you think, oh, I stepped off a curve or I fell down on something. No, it's much more insidious than that. It's, oh, I stepped funny getting out of my bed and I thought I had a stone bruise. Or I was walking, you know, we went to Disney World and, and I came back and I thought I had a stone uh, bruise on my heel. And, you know, you get up in the morning out of bed, but you walk it off and it goes away.
0: Ah, uh, you can walk it off. And so that's how it starts.
1: But if you don't do anything to get it better or you're not one of the lucky ones where it does happen to settle down on its own, then it becomes a chronic problem, all you of know? it
0: hurts to walk. It hurts to walk. That and gets your attention.
1: And you would think that it would get more people's attentions, but I have patients coming in, well, I've had this for three years. Like, why did you wait so right, long?
0: Right, 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 We
1: could have helped you. You didn't have to suffer like we're, that, you know? with tumors
0: all over the body, you know? You know, yeah. we, didn't you know we're, we're here notice to help you. Didn't Come you me. notice this thing on your face, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, we want to help you. And, it, and it, honestly, the faster you get it treated, you know, the faster you're going to get better in doing the things that you want to do. Because if if your feet hurt and you can't walk for exercise and then you're not walking the dog or right. you can't stand to cook a meal, you know, uh, your patience is thin, you know, you don't want to play with your kids because your feet hurt, you know, or you can't do your grocery shopping. It can really affect you.
0: Changes everything. Mm-hmm. So underappreciated
1: foundations yeah yes. <laughs> right
0: so how do you how do you treat plantar fasciitis
1: so well there's lots of treatments available for it and the good news is is that most people can get well without doing call them advanced therapies things ah, like things go. like surgeries and other modalities that we that tools we've got so, in our so box. So the person
0: with this diagnosis needn't be afraid, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, I need surgery or something horrible or expensive Not at or first, painful. no. So where, do you, where no. do you start? Where do we
1: start? We start out by making sure that um, the mechanics improve. Okay, and that's done with two things. One is making sure that you've got the right kind of support. Okay, so no barefoot.
0: Ah, so, so good shoe, good orthotic? So good
1: shoe, good orthotic if you need it. Okay, so not everybody needs them, but I find that many people get some benefit from it. And there's a wide variety of options for, for orthotics, um, and that's where your, your right. podiatrist, and your friend, right. and your friend Lance can come Lance. in and, yeah, and help understand. with that. Yes, yes. Uh, yes,
0: yes. and he has these mm-hmm. stories too of people so grateful because now they can walk. Because now they can yeah. walk for
1: something simple, and also flexibility plays a role. Flexibility and how tight your Achilles is, how tight your hamstrings are.
0: That no, was so, goes to one of the other things I was going to ask, you know, where's the foot end? Well, it connects to the ankle, and a lot of mm-hmm. times your foot and it's ankle doctor It's all connected, doctors, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So how does one, mm-hmm. let's say, yeah, I, I suspect I've got a little, little pain getting in the morning, first couple steps. Mm-hmm. Is there any flexibility I, I, I can do to mm-hmm. try and nip it in the bud? I'd yeah.
1: start out by some Achilles stretches. Okay. Um, you know, there's simple stretches that you can do against a wall. Um, where you put your heel back Uh and you just kind of lean and stretch your old runner stretch.
0: Yeah, Yeah, and and just just bend that ankle. Mm -hmm.
1: Just bend that ankle a little bit. It's called (laughs) anti-flexion, but it seems like it's
0: a dorsiflexion. Dorsiflexion
1: is a foot term, dorsiflexion. It's really
0: an extension, but it's a dorsiflexion.
1: I know it's really confusing and it takes a while to get a.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) When you're in
1: school, to wrap your head around that. Wait a minute.
0: So lean up, you've got your foot flat, you lean against the wall, and you bend, get a Mm -hmm. nice good stretch going. Yep, Or you
1: use one of those like they have at the gym, they have those triangles, the incline stretch. Yep. Just, Take one of these, uh-huh. stick it in the fridge, roll your foot on it, get a good massage on that uh-huh. fascia. Your fascia, you like your palmar fascia, you have a plantar fascia, that's okay. that ligament that makes up your arch. It holds everything up Okay. underneath all those intrinsic muscles and those bones and those joints. And, and it's broad. It stretches from here all the way to where it inserts on the heel. Uh-huh. And so you want to massage that whole thing. And then the ice is an anti-inflammatory. And anti-inflammatories uh-huh. can be helpful. You know over-the-counter ones if you can tolerate them so you
0: make your own ice roller, essentially. Mm-hmm.
1: yep that's the Go cheapest ahead. one you're gonna find is doing that or putting Love a can it. of peas in the refrigerator getting that modality of the cold and the massage at the same time you avoid your barefoot you know shoes you know we, we brought we, we're gonna bring up shoes again yeah. you know um, a lot of times we wear shoes past their prime you know or where oh, their I usefulness yeah, is yeah, yeah, yeah. We, all, we all poverty
0: mentality oh, i got another year I left got at, and yeah. you know what too
1: and then we <laughs> and then when we need the support the most like when we're out mowing the lawn we use our lawn mowing shoes which are yeah, the, they're, old they're shoes right, the old shoes that ones. are they're crappy all, and yeah, that's yeah, actually yeah. when you need the support the, the most, most you know um 500 yeah. miles and i am guilty of this also i sure. am the first to admit like my running shoes i I just i didn't have time to go and i went to fleet feet i don't mind mentioning sure business this is that's just fine with me um they do a very good job as far as analysis goes for you know what you mentioned earlier you know different shoe companies do different things with their shoes and so there's not one good one for everybody right you know and even one brand may have models you may not be able to wear and mm. models that you can wear quite comfortably and so you yeah. know to some degree you're paying for that you know when you go to a store like Fleet Feet or Dryers or American Shoe so or real or, fitting. Uh, try, yeah, or try yeah or Triathletics any of those places in town you know where they have where they actually do a fitting and somebody with some knowledge of shoes and mechanics can can look at you but I've done it I've gone in and been like they're like when was the last time you bought the shoes I'm like here they're like how much do you Walk and I told them, and he just gave me a look. I'm like, "Don't so, at yeah. me, okay? <laughs> just give me the shoes. I know what and I need." And throw these and it in
0: was, the garbage. And,
1: and on, I mean, and you know, two days later, mysteriously, all, all my pain went away. I'm like, "Oh wow, doc, good so job." A proper
0: proper fitting sounds like a good investment.
1: It is. Yeah. It is. If
0: you can afford that. So, moving on, what are other common conditions that you'll see in a deck?
1: So well. There's my current day and then the things that I saw before. So if we're talking general population, we see a lot of things like bunions, hammer toes, foot deformity. What is a
0: bunion and what is a hammer toe? I've got them on my whiteboard here. Mm-hmm. They were coming up.
1: So bunions and hammer toes, they're basically, they're, they're, uh, they're deformities of the, of the toes. Your hammer toes um, happen when your toes start to curl. Okay. Like that. And they can curl at any joint. So sometimes they curl at just one. Sometimes they curl at other ones. Sometimes oh, they I've sublux so they look that. like a little hammer.
0: That's the hammer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With it, there'll be one little one stuck in there. Yes. Like that. Yeah. And
1: sometimes they go side to side. Kind of funny things.
0: shape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you could do just to kind of push him back? Or do you? is that a surgery? Is that a podiatric surgery? To
1: fix it, it's a surgery. Okay. It's, um, you know... Our bones aren't malleable like we are when we're kids and so um, you're trying to treat a a skeletal problem. Sure. You're not gonna you're not gonna splint that. You'd have to be very diligent about splinting for hours and hours and days and days without end. And that's not really practical for
0: So you can you anybody. do that? Is that an outpatient surgery? Yes. So you could fix it if you do a hammer tone then how long are you mm-hmm. Babying that foot, or do you have to wear a special cast? Yeah, well, um, I mean, just kind of depends thing? on the it
1: depends on the surgery and how involved the fix is, because different operations. You know, if you have just a little flexible joint that's coming down, that recovery is a lot faster than somebody who has, you know, a long bone here and things that are crossed over, and you know, they're requiring a lot of pinning and things. Those folks may spend, you know, four to eight weeks. You know, in a surgical shoe and not comfortable. Toes, toes are also tricky. They're the farthest body, farthest body part away from the heart. Uh-huh. We are on them, mm. and so we have gravity pulling things down. When you surgerize something right. or you injure something, there's a greater metabolic demand, and so that creates this cascade of inflammatory micro markers and cytokines and things to help the body heal and that all floods and that sits and that sends fluid and stuff down mm. there so toes take a long time to recover um, so i mean you can swell for some time after surgery and really i mean it's really i tell folks you know you may be up and doing your things you know relatively quickly in a couple months it's like you know, you're, you're much more into the life that you knew before, but really to feel recovered Uh and like, this is my foot. It takes, it can take a year, you
0: know? Yeah. They told me my shoulder when they put it it was Mm -hmm. was six weeks. No, it was a year. It's a a year before you feel yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Now six weeks after surgery, you probably felt a whole heck of a lot better than the first week. Um, but you know, there's still, there's still recovery and remodeling that your body does.
0: What, what's a bunion? I know it's a lumpy, bumpy thing, but what 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 is a bunion? We tend to
1: be prone to lumps and bumps and things. A bunion is when that first metatarsal—that's it—would really be here on the on the hand directs out this way. Right. and the toe there's a little adductor hallucis muscle that holds the toe over ah, this way and so you get a it's not that you have a growth although some people have a growth there too but the the bones actually bend. shift yeah and, and so that's, that's why you can't just cut it off there are some cases where you can do that or some cases where we might choose to do that because that's in the best interest of
0: mm-hmm. that
1: particular patient okay. but usually it requires some sort of an osteotomy is what we call it when we break the bone and move it over into a corrected position. And then you have to do something to hold that in place.
0: That's where the pins and stuff come in. And that's where pins
1: or plates. It's really kind of, preference of the surgeon and also depends on the
0: operation that they're doing. So it's a malalignment in, the, in mm-hmm. the joint and then you just put it back where it goes. Back where it goes, yeah. So what know. causes that? I, I always thought that high heels and che- hammer
1: toes. Wow. High <laughs> shoes, is, there, or is
0: that just the Shoes play their lamest. role.
1: No, shoes play their role. What I tell when I tell patients is for bunions, hammer toes, things like that, it's not really an if. For you, it's a when because there's a disposition to it okay okay and it's a genetic disposition and also how your foot is structured may dispose you to having those things Um, and that's through no fault of your own that said the things that you do the environment that your foot is in can hasten that along Mm -hmm. it can worsen the clinical symptoms or not you know so if you have a tendency familial tendency to have a bunion and you are constantly walking in an unsupportive high-heeled shoe you know you will develop problems a lot sooner than somebody that maybe they had that tendency but they made shoe choices that were smart for their foot um, and had the right kind of support and and didn't constrict their foot and maybe didn't spend as much time on their foot then those folks may not have problems until later and even if they do maybe it won't be bad enough where they are coming in
0: asking to have it repaired. Some People don't, may not appreciate but as a surgeon, I can tell you some people have what we call good protoplasm. Their skin is stronger, it mm-hmm. holds a stitch better, there's support ligaments. And it's not just mm-hmm. a, you know, there, there, there's famous, you know, genetic problems, Ehlers-Danlos Ehler- Ehlers- 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 Syndrome, yeah. where they have a mm-hmm. genetic defect in their collagen. And then but there's some-
1: PPP, how we refer to it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, poor protoplasm. <laughs> yeah, Piss poor, Piss protoplasm. poor protoplasm. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and people just have weaker, weaker tissues and uh-huh. whatnot. I guess their feet'll break down easier. Yeah,
1: they do. There is, there there's is that. Also, genetics are yeah. probably a
0: little nutrition involved and involved in it. Chronic yeah. nutritional issues.
1: You know, you know, there's a lot of factors that you don't control. Right. You know, we're really quick to kind of maybe blame the patient or or. Or blame ourselves for oh you know you could have done this or you should have been doing that maybe maybe you know there you know and and i would encourage you not to 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 not choose to not do those things you want to do those things that are going to maximize your 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 health and your and your risk but sometimes things are just unlucky yeah that happens
0: that happens so what are some other conditions you might treat may not be the top Two or three. What are some other things you treat? So
1: um, some nerve pain. We treat nerve pain. We we'll we
0: had a, a, a pain specialist here who does uh, nerve blocks mm-hmm. and whatnot in a recent uh, podcast. So tell me about nerve pain of the feet. So,
1: well, it can be different causes. Sometimes nerve pain is in the foot, and sometimes it doesn't originate in the foot. And if it doesn't originate in the foot, then there's not a lot that a podiatrist can do for that.
0: But you, but you need to be able to differentiate But you need to two. be able to figure so it out. So you're not treating something mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's in a different place. That's
1: correct. Yeah, uh. and sometimes it's difficult to sort that out, I to be honest. You know, that's nerves are tricky. Uh. Nerves are tricky. So you, there are some nerve conditions that we see, the most common one being a neuroma. A neuroma is a bit of a misnomer because it's not really a tumor. It's a nerve that kind of grows and enlarges in between your metatarsals. And so folks will come in with a very specific set of symptoms. And it's more common than you would think, but they'll have burning or tingling hmm. in between, you know, they'll feel like they're walking on a wadded up sock. Can you, can you feel an
0: aroma when you examine? You it?
1: can, if, the, if it's large enough, you know, sometimes oh. with a, with a young or not super inflamed neuroma, you may not be able to elicit that, but yes, you can feel a neuroma if it is large enough to do it. A-
0: so how can you treat a neuroma?
1: So, well, first thing is getting pressure off that spot. And that's, Ah. and that's, sometimes it's simple as using something called a metatarsal pad or metatarsal bar where it's some Ah. padding placed in the sole of the shoe or on an orthotic. Mm -hmm. It's easier to do it on an orthotic because then you can move it around from shoe to shoe. Um, You know, but you can also put it, you can put it directly on your foot if you wish, but then you've got to do that all the time. Or you can lay that. Know, on the inlay of the
0: shoe, that's that extra little arch they put right. That's in a little
1: itsy bitsy thing, yeah. That little
0: arch they mm-hmm. put in my That's that extra bit,
1: yeah. That's what that's for. It's to relieve four-foot pressure. Yeah. And is that
0: opening up the bones? That's ex- yeah. Bit. It kind of opens it
1: up, so it takes pressure off that nerve. And sometimes that's enough to let that and settle down. Enough. Sometimes, if that doesn't help, you can put a cortisone injection in there
0: so you could do that. Mm-hmm. And you'd probably get relief pretty quickly.
1: 50/50 with cortisone. I wish that I could say that it is a magic bullet every time. It's not. For can you add some
0: there bu- some some canes and bupivacaine I and typically lidocaine. add some canes in there. Put a I cane do in yeah. Because yeah.
1: well I'll, part of it is because when you inject a nerve it can be fairly painful and so the to put a anesthetic in there is sure. is nice because then you kind of get over that first 24 hours of discomfort from that injection and then most folks as that wears off then you know it's just a matter of letting that steroid do its job
0: gotcha you have a nerve any other nerve pains of the foot now is that different from diabetic neuropathy
1: a morton's neuroma is very different from a diabetic neuropathy so you, um, so you
0: it's a morton's neuroma morton's
1: neuromas. Like, okay i don't know if maybe it was Morton. that describe that
0: probably that'd
1: be my guess yes yeah, hopefully so, morton didn't have it
0: yeah right <laughs>
1: that's the only way you get named at name something is either you find it or you have it and you for sure don't want to be the latter
0: Well, tell you what i don't want to pull die i want to talk about diabetes as a as a as a bigger topic what what other foot conditions might you see <clears throat> in a day
1: so then you see your other things like you know your other like I don't want to say major, but, but you know, like a flat foot or a. Tell me about flat feet. Yeah, I told I know, you. Tell I know. me, but please
0: yeah. tell me about flat feet. It. Are you born with them, or do you get them from bad shoes and tough, tough work? Uh, you know, you know, requirements or something. Uh,
1: yes, you know, nature,
0: <laughs> nature, nurture, and both.
1: Both. You can you can get both. Some people are born with them, and and having a flat foot in and of itself isn't necessarily a problem. Having a symptomatic flat foot is a problem. Okay. Okay, but just because somebody has a flat foot, if it's not causing them problems with function and or pain, so what? You know, if you find shoes that fit and you're comfortable and you're doing your things, you don't touch that.
0: It's just a Whether natural variant. It's just a variant, yep. Okay. It's a
1: spectrum. All right. So if you think of think of feet, you can have a flat as a pancake on one end right. and you can have a high arch foot that you could shoot a bullet through the hole between wow. the toes and the and the heel.
0: No, is that equally mentions? bad too? Can you have too much arch?
1: Oh yeah, you can, ah. and it can. And we see that. I mean, some of it's hereditary, and some of it we see with neurological conditions. Um, there's one particular marie tooth. Um, oh, is I a hereditary. Remember you remember that one? Yeah, yeah, it's a hereditary sensory motor neuropathy, um, and it leaves you with a. Very much claw type foot, and and it can be painful. It doesn't move very well or hold you up very well, and then you also run the risk of breaking down and getting sores on your feet too. Just too much pressure
0: on because there's too much pressure, on the, too on, much the pressure on the okay. hot spots, yeah. Okay. And those
1: hot spots can be a
0: problem. So a symptomatic flat foot, then I'm probably treating it right by wearing my prescription orthotics. That's, yeah, that yeah, that would and,
1: be a start. And and I mean, is it uh, you know. Is it, you know, a kid came out and, you know, are they having trouble running and functioning? You might treat that child differently than you may treat an adult that, you know, sometimes, you know, it's a matter of my arches fell over time, you know, because they can, and they can. Yeah. And, and most of us lose our arch as we get older, just because Uh, we have weight changes. Our joints may become lax or more arthritic. We get pregnant. We get pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so those things happen, um, but you can also have an injury or where a tendon will tear, you know, and you will lose your arch. And that thing, typically you have to. Um,
0: can you put that back that. together? You can't. You put can it fix back that. Together.
1: I I personally don't do that procedure, but yes, yes, there it are can podiatrists can be done. One can, can do done. that. Mm-hmm. Yes, they can be done, and you would want to have that done if it gets to that point, because gotcha. um, and and it's not always as simple as just repairing the tendon. It, it, A lot of times will also involve some other um, work to the to the bones and the joints to make sure that it stays in that place so those kinds of reconstructions are are fairly major operations not major in the sense that they take a long time um, and they can be complicated because if they're done wrong you know you have consequences of that you know where you may not function very well afterwards and also that amount of work takes a long time to heal so it's really I mean, you're really going to feel a year of healing with something wow. like that. So,
0: so let's talk about some of the maybe less common things. Maybe the in, in medicine we call them zebras. And where does that come from? It comes from you're you're taught in 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 school. That common things are common, mm-hmm. and when you hear right. hoofbeats, you hear you know, hoofbeats. You should you think it, horses. A, it better. Be, it better be a horse, and then all of a sudden it comes around the bend. There's the zebra. There's the zebra it's like, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, so that's where the term zebra comes from.
1: And first. zebras aren't very common, and some, and you don't want to be looking for zebras all the time because most of the time they are horses. Right. But you want to be aware that there are zebras because sometimes you do see some zebras, and you it just kind of. Blows your mind, um, the the zebra that I see the most. Um, two zebras, really. One zebra that I see is um, uh, things like a syndactyly where you
0: Synt- <laughs> is that an extra toe? Is that an extra toe? <laughs> well, the synda- Well, you can't. Uh, no, you no.
1: you can't have kind of. Well, there's all kinds of dactylies. You can have supernumerary digits okay. which i have a good case about that one that one was a that one was a zebra that i saw um you can have um macrodactyly where you have one very large digit you have microdactylies where you have little bitty digits you can have short. This one's really common. On the fourth, actually, you would see that more than you would think. The fourth metatarsal sometimes will be congenitally short, and so you'll have this toe oh. that's sitting down here, and all the rest of the toes are up here. I'll be damned. Um, that's a brachy metatarsia. So brachy you,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you see the syndactyly is the fused toes.
0: That's what syndactyly is. Mm-hmm. I see that in between these toes.
1: It's, usually, it's a lot of times the second and the third. I have a little bit of syndactyly on my second and third because so it can like happen in degrees. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. It can happen in degrees. Some people just I just have it a little bit. So it yes, looks sin a little bit means different. together.
0: Yeah, I means together toes. Um,
1: but some people have them completely fused. And I see a couple of those a year. Huh. You know, where I'm like, "Oh, that's really interesting." And you know, the, you know, maybe elderlies, but you know, that's it's not a surprise. And if it's not painful, then you know, you kind of leave it cuz you can you know, in children, you can take you them apart them. you can separate them there have been times that i have actually syndactylized digits where i have put them together on purpose
0: kind of like a um, like what is it gonna like buddy splint?
1: kind of like a permanent buddy splint um oh. and i've and i've done that you, typically that's done on the fourth and fifth toes if somebody has a very painful interdigital corn which is basically like a callus that forms on the on the foot you know um, but we call oh. them corns when they happen on their toes and that's okay. like an old English corn was like something hard or whatever and that's where that term comes from so.
0: lots of old terms <laughs> not in that old sense.
1: cartoon that you see of the witch at Halloween time you know where does candy corn come from and the witch has little candy corn sprouting and she's clipping them off into the thing
0: it's the fun. one that I love to hate the most is piles we'll yes. just leave that alone <laughs> Talk about old expressions so you've got some oh my gosh
1: <laughs> old, old,
0: old medicine. so i
1: have i have done that on purpose where really it made more sense to just put a part of that toe together so it doesn't move anymore and they don't have that irritation there it is a technically difficult procedure it is a pain in the butt to do that procedure because you're working wow. in a very small space you've taken uh-huh. out skin you're trying to put it together um, and then trying to get this last stitch in here, when you're trying oh to keep boy. the toes together, is a is a challenge. Um, so yeah, it's a technically unfun procedure.
0: So um, tell me some other uh, other zero, le- less common conditions. So the less might common
1: treat. ones that we might treat, and, and and I say treat really treat may not be the right word for it because we we uh, we evaluate it and then we go and send them off. Is cancer.
0: Ah, uh, you can get cancers of your foot.
1: Mm-hmm. You can. You can't and I probably see one to two a year. Now,
0: is this of the skin or the bones Most of them sarcom- are the skin. skin. Most of them so are the
1: skin, but they but they happen where you can have them in bones. You can have it's, it's them in. It's the, called a
0: sarcoma, right? The,
1: um, it depends on what it is. I mean, you can have uh, osteosarcoma that happens in the bones. Okay. You know, sometimes you can find benign tumors like an enchondroma. You know, oh. which um, is is actually fairly you know, common, those little enchondromas, um, you know, you can sometimes get some tumors in the, in the heel bone. Most of them are benign, um, but you kind of need to, you know, pay attention to those things. And
0: so, if there's a know, lump in your foot and it's not going and away, it's not, it's
1: not going away. It's probably worth getting it looked at. Nine times out of 10, 99 times out of a hundred, it's something that we can look at and explain right away. We might choose to get a test just to mm. make sure. Um, but it's, Probably going to be benign. There are the times when they're not, though. Um, the majority that I see are skin, um, and they're usually somebody that's coming in, um, and they may be treating something that they thought it was, like a wart, or you know, an ulcer or a sore, and maybe had all the right treatments for that, but it just isn't getting better. Yeah. You know, and then I see folks that we see with pigmented lesions.
0: You can get um, melanomas mm-hmm. under oh, the toe, yeah. under the nails, right? Well,
1: you can get them anywhere. I mean, you can get them anywhere. And that, the, is that is a life-threatening cancer. That is a life-threatening cancer. That will, yeah, that is your, yeah, yeah, that's a really serious thing. And it will, you know, sometimes, you know, when folks have, we were talking about hammer toes earlier and, you know, the folks will, um, you know, maybe get bruised or whatever underneath their their toes, especially elderly patients that are really rigid toes and they're constantly walking off of them. They may uh-huh. get kind of horns or bruising underneath there, but I've seen it where I'm like, this isn't right. When you do things for a long time, you've probably read Gladwell or, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. 10,000
0: hours. Yeah, <laughs> and, Malcolm. And just, yeah. you know,
1: and, and you know, you're thinking, you know, you see things and you have that, um, you know, that something is wrong but you may not know what it is but you've seen enough normal to know that this is not
0: and you get it's, that and you get that right. kind of
1: kind of kind of chest sensation and the hair stand up on the back of your yep. your neck you know you mm. see those things and you're like ooh we got a problem here so those uh, you, you know those I would usually send off to somebody that does skin cancer. Um, in my current situation, I walk up to the derm clinic. I said, come with me. And usually I get a... You grab a... I'm like, a, yeah. it's, a, oh, why are you bothering us with this? But Cause sad because they know. But sad they cause know, they know, know I'm one. coming to get them they that, they, that this one. is something that they need to see right away. You know, and they, and they can be, be bad. You know, and you start taking the history and learning a little bit more. The patient's yeah. lost 30 pounds in the last six months and you're like it just gets worse and worse and and you know then so that it happens it happens so you got to kind of kind of watch for that and the scariest one is the amelanotic melanomas
0: that means not pigment that means no that That they're pale the the
1: normal clues aren't there and that when you have to have a real high index of suspicion you know where you're like i don't know what this is but i don't like it and this is making me really really nervous so and if i'm getting nervous then i'm a nervous person in general (laughs) but if my hair is standing on end someone else is going to share that wealth and and help you out and and it's one of those things that i don't like to
0: see but we see sometimes and i'm going to make a plug that's why doctors are so important you 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 have a mid-level person or a nurse practitioner who knows a lot of stuff, but hasn't seen the thousands of feet and seen the zebras. They're going to miss the zebras, and you can see it can be really devastating. Devastating, it's devastating, consequence. huge consequences. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so people they don't People don't realize that they measure these growth, these growths, or these large. Numbers in public health, they say, "Oh, look, the care is the same." Yeah, you're, you're, not, you're not. You, you, what you're looking at isn't powerful enough to see that one percent mm-hmm. that would only be found. And it by matters a with that one
1: percent to that patient. That's a hundred. Oh yeah, that's
0: a hundred percent to that patient. Wow. Yeah. yeah.
1: So I do. I see a couple of those a year, which also makes me a, ner- a little bit nervous. I'm like, do I? Am I missing more? Right? You know, so, right. so that index of suspicion is there. You have, in general, I think, you know, the longer you do things and the longer you look at what's normal or what's, what's common for X, Y, or Z condition, you know, you get a pretty good sense of right away looking at something and being, I've, I've mm-hmm. kind of got 70 or 80% of it right there, but does right. it mean that, you know, and you have to be forthcoming with the patient, this is probably this. If you see these warning signs, you need to let us know so we can, we can change the treatment.
0: Gotcha. So I have left a few things I still want to talk about. But a huge topic is diabetes oh, yeah. and feet. Now I've been holding that one till the end. <laughs> well, to nearer the end. So diabetes, let's, let's go over diabetes. Diabetes means that blood sugars are high. And high blood sugars can damage the body, damages nerves. Dam- probably damages blood vessels worse than the damage to the blood vessels damages the nerves, because it, it, we can go into the physiology of that. I'm not an expert. But so you've got these abnormally high sugars essentially poisoning the body wow. over time, creating damage to the nerves so that most people would understand that the nerves, be, the feet and extremities become numb. The, the nerves are actually damaged to a point where they don't feel. Now, they can get overly sensitive, I believe, mm-hmm. things, things called dysthesias. Yeah, the paresthesias. So, yeah. Paresthesias. Mm-hmm. And you already have a foot, which doesn't have very good blood supply. It's already not. And now you've got the blood vessels uh, filling up with, with plaque and, and blockages and whatnot. And Another thing I, I didn't say, I'll just get a little grody on you here. Remember that amputation I was uh-huh. telling you about? It didn't bleed didn't bleed because the arteries were filled with stuff that looked like toothpaste.
1: That's one of your worst nightmares, honestly, yeah, in the operating room where you're like, This isn't bleeding. This is we've got bleeding. big problems.
0: In Houston, yeah. we got a problem. So 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 now that I've kind of for, for the general audience kind of set up, you know, what is diabetes and where's the damage, how does that affect the feet?
1: So really with so folks when they have diabetes, it's almost like you have a case of termites in your foundation. The, the kind of damage that's done, really yeah, like I know. Now, I like this.
0: I can remember this kind <laughs> of stuff. But that's the
1: thing. If you know something well enough to explain it to a five-year-old, then you can, Then that understanding goes and it's carried everywhere. Well, I'm
0: finding this very valuable. <laughs> I'm, I'm learning so much. So termites of the feet, what do they do? So,
1: so, so when you think you've got termites, okay, they go in. They're quiet. You don't hear them. They don't do anything. But inside, they're wrecking havoc on your foundation all the wood on the inside of your house and it's not until you see these little signs these little the occasional black wing insect or the little nest that's coming out you are like oh crap I've got termites but your foundation and all your structures have been damaged incredibly and it's a costly repair well diabetes is like that because it eats away at your body silently there's no warning unlike an appendix You know, your appendix goes bad. You feel like crap. You know, you get a fever. You're sick to your stomach. You've got intense pain. You get that taken care of right away because it's a bother. Diabetes is silent. It's quiet. It's insidious. It just goes in and it destroys things over time, subtly, without you being aware of it. Your body ignores it. And so with the nerves, it destroys that coating on that nerve. You know if you've got your nerves your peripheral nerves it's like your cord from this lamp or this microphone Right. you know so there's insulation it. around there. there's a like myelin like sheath mile there's that myelin sheath and inside there's that neuron that's like your copper wire okay, okay. And, it, and and that has to be intact for the connection to function the way it's supposed to if you took your pocket knife and started stripping away that coating well uh, lo and behold uh, now you've got these misfires or it doesn't fire when you need it to mm-hmm okay and the nerve works the same way that myelin sheath gets eroded or destroyed from that sugar however that is if it's thinned if it's if there's a hole that's been eaten out of it now that connection to the brain the brain will do its best to interpret whatever signal the nerve is giving it the problem is it's no longer an accurate uh, signal you can't you can't trust it anymore and that's really hard to wrap your head around you function on an everyday basis with assumptions. You make assumptions that my body is working correctly. My body is digesting the food that it's supposed to. My body is creating waste and filtering things the way it needs to, and I don't need to worry about it until it's time to go to the bathroom. You know, when my body needs nutrition or thirst, I'm going to feel it and I will know. You know, right. I take for granted that I'm going to hear something or see something or that this functions it's normally.
0: All and
1: now, it's that's right. And that's what gets destroyed. And so now you don't know. You don't have any feeling in your foot. You don't know that you don't have any feeling in your foot.
0: And you've stepped, and in, you've hot stepped water, in hot water or, 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 th- or hot or, sand
1: at the beach hot, or, can get, you can get hot all right. or you were walking around in your driveway in your shoes, maybe and gravel got in there in your shoe. And you walked around on it for a week or walked around on your money clip
0: Oh, is that you've seen or the bullet? Like, you've seen these things.
1: Those are all things that I've pulled out of patient's shoes or out of their person. The paper and clip, the wire, and system. they have no idea. Oh, that's horrifying. It is horrifying. And it's, and, and, you know, you, you tell folks, you're like, I know you don't believe me because you can't feel it. And you don't, you don't understand that until the day happens when you've hurt yourself, you know, and there's not a week that goes by that something isn't coming out of the that didn't belong there. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Oh, my goodness. Like, emergency rooms have things they pull out of people's rectums. And,
1: yeah, ours and, isn't and, and that cool. is that cool. Sometimes have... it's that smelly, but it's not usually that cool.
0: Right, right. But you. But mine, uh, it's,
1: like I said, paper clips, uh, thorns, pieces of wood, hair. You'd be surprised at how animal hair can bury itself in there. Glass.
0: Oh, the glass that broke two weeks
1: ago, and you missed that one little spot.
0: And it's been in there the whole time.
1: And you have, and suddenly my foot hurts and you look down and it's red and hot and swollen and there's pus coming out. And now we have a surgical emergency.
0: And you can lose.
1: And you can lose it because diabetes wrecked your circulation and it wrecked your nerves. And now you're in a very precarious spot. Oh
0: boy. So obviously other than getting your diabetes under control, sounds like managing your foot with I guess, intense surveillance.
1: That's exactly right. And I mean, and the things that we tell diabetics are just good habits to get into in general. Do a foot inspection every day. You know, if you can't reach to see the bottom, put a hand mirror on the floor. Take a peek. You're looking for anything that doesn't belong there. And nothing is too silly. You know, if you think you have a problem, diabetic or not, come see us come see us because we can help you even if it's just the reassurance that no you don't have to worry about this don't you know you don't have to think about it over the weekend you know or maybe it is something and early intervention means a better outcome for you right you know so so, I mean that matters you know you know good skin hygiene you know we talked about the skin being this organ it keeps things out it keeps things in but it also helps us communicate and helps us do things but that barrier needs to be intact so right. moisturizing it if it's dry, treating the skin conditions that come up.
0: Yeah, and I know. wear um these double layer polypro. Thanks to my friend Lance, by the way, God, I'm <laughs> plugging him all the time here. These double layer polypropylene socks. I slip. I wear them when I'm mm-hmm. when I used to mountain climb, right. hiking mm-hmm. boots. They they prevent the blisters. The blisters, right?
1: Because a blister can be you know in a sensate person. They're, they're painful and they create a problem, right. but that sensate person is also going to address it because it hurts. Right,
0: right, right, right. And then the proper shoe and support, proper fitting mm-hmm. and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah,
1: proper shoe fitting is key, you know, because you have all those hot spots that we talked about earlier, the tips of the toes, the heels, the metatarsal heads. You
0: mm-hmm. know, those are
1: spots for breakdown potentially, and that's where shoe gear becomes important. If you're not wearing a good shoe, you know, you're going to run into troubles, you know. And it's, if you have a rub and it rubs a sore, that's huge it takes diabetic foot ulcers months to heal in the very best case scenario, meaning that every little detail was attended to and the patient was able to adhere to everything that we did. They could do fully compliant, best care in the world and still may take a long time and still might be unlucky, you know, but you know, you add in the things that you're that, that you have more problems, you know, adhering to. Um, Maybe on purpose. Maybe not on purpose. I can't remember
0: to take a vitamin every day. I mean, not that I'm a big, one. there's a particular exactly. Vitamin I'm so, to take. so
1: right. Exactly. It's the same thing.
0: But like a girl would say, "How could you forget your birth control pill?" Well, it's quite easy.
1: Yeah, it, it it's happens. It's quite yeah. easy. And so, I mean, you know, you want to make sure you give that you know patient their grace because you know life is life is hard, and there's yeah. a lot of things. But some risk management is also important, you know.
0: Boy, now, are there any, you've done such wonderful preparation for this, Marianne, are there any other topics that we did not cover that you think we should bring up here for our audience?
1: Um, I guess a couple of things. One, if you're diabetic please. or you have circulation complications or, you know, you're having some nerve issues or think you might have them, you know, don't wait, go and see a, go and see a podiatrist, go see yeah. a professional, please get, a, get an evaluation. So they can honestly assess your risk and you know figure out ways to kind of keep your feet healthy and keep you walking because we want to see you able and doing things and have a good quality of life and really that goes for everyone you know that ounce of prevention really is worth a pound of cure you know mm. doing the good foot hygiene um. you know if something's not healing come see us mm. you know you've tried your over-the-counter remedies you've tried what you know your coworker had suggested for things you're not getting better you know, don't wait. You know, come in and see us.
0: Um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to ask you one something very controversial. I, I always throw in it. Mm. I'm like, was it Kojak or was it Columbo? It was a Columbo that would come in. The, he, he, the killer would think mm-hmm. that they got off, and then was was mm-hmm. it Columbo or Kojak? I think it was Kojak. Kojak.
1: Maybe I don't know. Those
0: those. One of those it's been 70, a long time One of those '70s detectives, those right, with Peter Falk and. It, He'd be walking and the killer, would think they got off, then he'd come and he'd go, One last the thing. That's Columba. Columba. We have podiatrists who are, you know, the ones that do it are, are, are professional, well trained foot and ankle surgeons. Mm-hmm. And you have MD orthopedic surgeons that have foot and ankle mm-hmm. expertise. When would you choose one over the other? What? Who's going to be better for what in general terms? Now, obviously, it comes down to the surgeon.
1: And that uh, would be they, the, the first indi- thing is that, you You know, you could have a good podiatric surgeon. You could have a good orthopedic surgeon, okay? Um, and so some of it is going to be, you know, surgeon. Um, in terms of, of, you know, a foot and ankle orthopedic surgeon, they want to do surgery. That's what they're treating. Right. Okay. Um, And so you probably, if you're going to go like to support, you know, diabetic foot care and things like that, you really want to see a podiatrist.
0: Right. Because that's in their wheelhouse. You know,
1: that is in their, in their wheelhouse. There is a lot of overlap between what foot and ankle orthopedic surgeons do and podiatric surgeons do. Not every podiatric surgeon is going to do everything that a foot and ankle orthopedic surgeon will do and vice versa you know and they may have different approaches right and I assume um, like
0: the big joint work I know there's artificial joints and mm-hmm. stuff and which which, ankle fusions which podiatrists do
1: it like I said it depends on the area if your area doesn't have you know either one of those then you know you're kind of at the mercy of whoever is is right. close to you here we have both
0: So it's true, like with anything in medicine, you don't be afraid to get second opinions. opinions. That's
1: right, and anyone worth their salt will not be worried about you going to see a second opinion. Yes, And if you're going to have a major operation like that, it's not gonna hurt to have another set of eyes to look at you, Yeah, I I,
0: I do make one stipulation, because I I encourage people to get second opinions, but I encourage you not to get a second opinion from an idiot, because (laughs) it makes it worse. It makes it worse. And in fact, I have trusted colleagues that I would send people to. I ask people mm-hmm. I'm not going to send you to somebody who's going to rubber stamp what I'm saying, but there's right. people I trust mm-hmm. for a good second opinion.
1: That's correct. Yes. Yeah, there are a some folks that I would second opinion. opinion is oh. not is not worth it. Yes. Cuz then we
0: got to dig out that hole and then try mm-hmm. to get a, a And I would also don't opinion. get your
1: second or third opinions from Dr. Google either. Yeah. You don't know what you don't know. You know, and so while I think, you know, the internet can be a useful tool, sure. sometimes we don't know where we're getting that information. So what I tell patients, make sure you check with a healthcare professional that you trust when you're getting medical information on the internet, you know, yeah. and also go to a source of information that is a trustworthy rubber stamp source, yeah. Yeah. whether that is APMA, you know, American College of Reproductive Endocrinologists, whoever that is, you know, Mayo right. Clinic, you know, your hospital website, right. those kinds of places, as opposed to the YouTube video of Joe Schmo doing a, right. a, a right. video of you know, nail, treatment. nail treatment.
0: Yeah. Right. I got you. Yeah. I'm, I tell people, read all you want. Just don't mm-hmm. believe in everything until you check with us. That's right. Yep. That's right. Good. Well, Marianne, what a, what a, Educational discussion uh, we've had. I have learned a ton. Well,
1: thank you for having me. I wasn't uh, sure that I would be able to teach you anything.
0: <laughs> oh, you've taught me a bunch, and you've confirmed what I already know. You're a fantastic physician, wonderful healthcare provider, and I think Columbia and especially our vets at Truman VA are just just so lucky to have you. So well, thank you. You're a wonderful resource, and what a pleasure to have you as a colleague and as a friend. Thank you. Thank yes. you for coming today. Appreciate it. Pleasure.
1: Thank you.